Hi, guys. Welcome to the How I Raised It podcast, the show where you get an inside look at how real entrepreneurs raise capital for their businesses. I'm your host, Nathan Beckert, and today's episode is with Mike Bell of Miso Robotics, a company that makes robots for restaurant kitchens. Picture a robotic arm deep frying French fries. The company raised a traditional A and B from VCs and then flipped the script and raised the next three rounds via crowdfunding. So we go deep into why crowdfunding and how to do it. If you're tuning into this podcast to learn how to raise capital for your business, I've created a super valuable free welcome package for you. It includes a list of 2,500 investors who don't require a warm intro, plus 200 questions that investors are going to ask you. So this is going to really help you get ready to raise capital. To get access to this, please leave us a nice review in the Apple iTunes store, hit all the stars and leave a comment or two, and then email us at info at foundersuite.com and we'll send that to you right away. Last but not least, if you enjoy this conversation and think someone else would too, please share it with them and hit that subscribe button to get all our latest episodes. Thank you. Now sit back and enjoy this chat with Mike. Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today, I have Mike Bell of Miso Robotics. How's your day going? Hey, Nathan. It's going great. Good to connect with you today. Where are you located? Southern California, Manhattan Beach specifically. The, the, the company is headquartered in Pasadena, other side of LA. Got it. Cool. Manhattan Beach is a cool little town, I guess you could say. <laughs> it is. It's a good place to hang out. That's for sure. Good. Well, let's jump right to it. What is Miso Robotics? You do some cool stuff. So tell us about the business. Yeah. Miso designs and builds robots and and AI solutions that prepare food for the nation's leading restaurant chains. So our most popular and most uh, well-known product is Flippy. It's an overhead robot on a rail that installs over a fry station and takes over all frying operations for quick serve restaurants. Yeah, I'm watching uh, on your, I guess it's your crowdfunding page. I'm watching the the sort of video animation in the background and watching this arm dip the fries, pull out the fries, dump the fries. You know, it's really amazing looking. Um, that's cool. And what, um, where is Flippy working today? Yeah, so Flippy is uh, early in life. Well, let me, let, me, let me back up and say Flippy has been in development for about six years. Okay, so uh, r- robots are surprisingly easy to get one working like the kind of a prototype is easier than what most people think, but to get a bunch of them working is a lot harder than most people think. So it's been in development for six years and we just now, Nathan, in the last, uh, well, frankly, this year, 2022, uh, turned the page in the company where we're no longer in R and D mode, trying to figure out a lot of stuff and kind of prove out technology. We're actually in, in commercial commercialization mode. So we are, building robots in a uh, factory in Ohio. We are shipping them to restaurants and those in those restaurants, they're actually cooking food and preparing food for humans as we speak today. Now that all sounds grand, but it's still early days. We're in the dozens category still, like in terms of the total number of robots kind of deployed, uh, barreling towards the hundreds category, which will be kind of, you know, later, later this year. Um, and as you can imagine, given everything that's going on in the labor market, we have this tidal wave of demand. We have so much 
um, demand for the product that we're going to be shipping flippies, you know, from hundreds to thousands per month for, 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 for many, many years from now. Yeah. I was going to mention that it's like the, the, the tailwinds uh, couldn't be better for you guys. Just you hear everywhere how hard it is to get people, to hire people, to get them to actually come to work. <laughs> yeah. Once you, once you've actually hired them, they don't show up, right? Robots don't have all these issues. Um, that that's fortuitous. So that's great. What was the the quick backstory of Miso Robotics? Were you, uh, does this come out of academia or, you know, were you doing robotics in other companies? What, what's the story? Yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a hired gun. So I got brought into the company, um, you know, about four years ago, originally in the board and, and then uh, two years ago in an operating role as CEO. So, but the company was exactly actually uh, born out of academia. It came from uh, a, a number of individuals, many from Caltech, and one was kind of a restaurant entrepreneur, and the other was really a, a, a venture guy doing a lot of automation stuff, and kind of put two and two together. Now, now back then there was it, it wasn't um, uh, just this brilliant foresight about about this labor shortage that was going to occur. There actually was one even back then. There were there was a shortage in in this world of of quick serve and fast food restaurant um, employees. It was called a labor gap. Today it's called a labor crisis. You know, mm-hmm. so when the pandemic came around. It just it took that labor gap and it just blew it up and there's just now something like 1.6 million open positions, you know. And so we're super fortunate to be in the right place at the right time, but we were also pointed towards the same problem when the company was founded six years ago. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, very cool. I guess I don't know how much you can disclose, but how many of these? You know, it sounds like. Manufacturing is probably the the rate limiting factor here. How many can you manufacture per year? What's the the, the I think of it almost like Tesla's issue, right? They have more demand than they can build cars. So Elon's estimating how many they can build. What do you guys say? Yeah, no, that's exactly where we're at, and it's it is the question, okay? And the, the candid answer is we don't know how many we're going to build. We can build. We're going to find out. But let me let me give you some more color. Um, the, the the robots like robotic arms, if you will, those are we 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 essentially purchase those kind of as is. They're uh, they've been around for a long time. They're generally used in logistics and manufacturing. Um, sometimes in 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 certain things like even like you know surgery. So there's robotic arms that exist in the world today, but there just aren't that many applications where you need hundreds of robot arms, for example. You know what I mean? If you're talking about a pick, pack and ship, you know, warehouse facility or a manufacturing facility, there's, you can't look at those and say, oh, you're gonna need a thousand arms in, in each one of those buildings. The numbers just aren't that big. Now you pause there and then turn the page and look at the restaurant industry. You have chains that have on average between one and three and 4,000 locations in Jack in the box, you know, 2,200 locations, Chipotle, 3,000 locations, Panera, almost 3,000 locations, um, Buffalo Wild Wings, 2,000. I could go on, but the, the point is, each one of these customers that I mentioned are in uh, conversations or pilot actually with Miso Robotics, and the world simply hasn't put out like tens of thousands of robotic arms like this before. Okay, and robotic arms are only part of what Flippy contains. Flippy contains a whole bunch of other technology, and you know, and the frame and shield and cameras and all kinds of stuff. So we're we're looking at a really awesome but ominous challenge of saying, okay, how do we deliver the demand that lies ahead of us? And, um, and, and we're kind of going there and there's no silver bullet in this. There's basically just a lot of really good 
uh, a rigor that needs to apply to, to the steps of building out a supply chain, building out an installation team, building, you know, the, getting your vendor base with second and third um, sourcing. Um, there's just a whole bunch of steps to it. And we're going to continue to, to grow the number of units we can ship month after month between now and, and as long as we can foresee. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about raising money for this. Um, how much have you guys raised and over how many rounds? Yeah. Okay. So this is, you might find this interesting. So the company, like a lot of startups uh, went through what you might want to call a pivot. Okay. So it raised a series A and a series B and it was around $15 million. Okay. And this was back in 2000, you know, 16, 2017. And that, that, that money was raised from traditional venture. Mm-hmm. And, and what happened and this, you, you, you know, this, you know, real well, Nathan is a lot, a lot of early stage startups that when they bring a product or go to bring a product to market, that the fit doesn't occur or things, you know, ob- obstacles emerge, emerge. And that's kind of what happened with, with Miso. So Miso and the original management team, uh, never really was able to find the one, you know, product market fit and customer fit for what it was developing. And so it had a restart of sorts. And that was right around 2000 and they call it 19, end of 19, when the company decided that it needed, well, new, needed a new, new capital in a new direction. And this thing called crowdfunding had emerged. There's a new set of legislation called, you know, Reg A that allowed private companies to raise capital in open markets from individuals that weren't just accredited investors, just normal individuals. And so we started that in 2020 and, 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 and a lot has happened in that, in, in that journey. I'm happy to kind of come back and kind of tell you about that journey, but to get to the chase on your answer, uh, we've raised, uh, we'll raise about $60 million this way. Uh, through a series C, D, and E, mm. and believe we're one of the largest companies, what largest fundraisers uh, ever to occur using this type of fundraising. Okay, big big question is why crowdfunding instead of going back to the venture world. Um, so take take yeah. that as you will. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That is a big question, right? And I, I guess the short answer is because we could. Okay, <laughs> so it is uh, it is a terrific terrifically efficient form of raising capital. Okay. The other part of the answer is, uh, is Nathan, that we probably would have been looking at a down round. Okay. The company needed to go out for a series C, didn't have any customers or product and was, was looking at a, at a, at a kind of a, a tough slog of saying, all right, let's go raise some more capital in a pretty unhealthy environment. So crowdfunding has some, some really compelling advantages to it. One of them is that um, you kind of, you can, you can package up the, the offering. So all the classes kind of, all the shares kind of vote as one mm-hmm. in a proxy. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to organize and manage uh, bringing in literally thousands of individual shareholders. Okay. And in, in, the, in the second reason it, it's, it's, it's kind of uniquely efficient is that this type of financing uh, doesn't require the typical rigor or scrutiny that a venture or a private equity firm might apply. And so they're, they're basically a lot of individual investors, maybe kind of call it the Robin Hood crowd or whatever, if you will, who look at it and say, okay, this is the future. I believe in it. There's going to be robots doing this forever. And so I believe in it. I really don't need to know a lot about the devaluation or the preferences of the stock or the use of proceeds. 
I get it and I believe in it and let's go. And so it, it, the average investments around $3,000. And at this juncture, we have almost 20,000 uh, wow. people that have put that money in. That's a lot. Um, very interesting. Now, a couple of questions. Um, well, so there's some of the advantages, I guess. What's, what's, what are some of the risks or challenges or disadvantages of crowdfunding? Obviously, finding 20,000 people to write checks is probably a bit of a challenge, but you, you tell me. Yeah, no, no, it, it's not a good fit for a lot of companies, a lot of, t- especially tech companies, because the fact of the matter is you need to be able to tell the story really simply and really clearly, and it needs to resonate with people. Okay. So there are some really interesting, exciting AI solutions that are being brought to bear, but those may not be clear enough or obvious enough for, for crowdfunding. Someone looks at a picture of Flippy too, on the other hand, and sees Flippy cooking fries. Okay. Okay. In, in, an, in an instant, in a billboard instant, they kind of get what it what it, what it does, and so and, and kind of get the, the, the nature of the company. So it's it's not a good source of of capital for companies that have a somewhat complex product or really need mm-hmm. to tell a story or explain it, or if it's even a, like a B two B product, it may not be a good fit. So um, it's not for everyone. Um, and, 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 but if it is uh, the other part of your question is like, you know, the, the disadvantages, you really need to go out and market the heck out of it. Like you need to be able to get enough eyeballs on the offering that the math works and that people are exposed to it and say, this is great. I think I'd like to invest that works super well for me. So, because we've been fortunate to get a lot of press, we get a lot of free publicity because of the nature of who we are and what we're doing. It's just, it's a very interesting story right now. Um, but without that, it's a super hard challenge. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So let's get into the process of, of that, of marketing this deal. Um, I noticed you're on wax and best. I've never actually heard of this platform before. So maybe tell why you chose that and how are you, how are you marketing this to, well, a two, two part question, why yeah. wax and best, how are you marketing this deal? And are you primarily marketing to, Non-accredited or accredited investors, or both equally. Yeah. So, so Wax Invest was a platform developed by a company called WaveMaker. Uh, it's a WaveMaker.vc. They're out of Southern California, and and they developed this platform. It's super stable, super scalable, plug and play. It's 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 a great platform. Okay. Uh, we also work with them to actually go out and promote the the this offering. And it's largely non-accredited investors. It's generally, it's, it's the general public, um, but it, it is, it is, we're targeting people who are researching stock, look, looking at stocks, uh, you know, so we're kind of going to all the normal watering holes where you might find kind of, you know, active uh, amateur investors. Uh, and we do, uh, we, tr- we, we put a lot of effort into communicating everything that's going on about the company. We run ourselves exactly like a public company. So we have annual shareholder meetings, our financials are reviewed by the SEC. We, you know, constantly publishing and putting out information about, you know, how we're doing and how we're performing. Um, and so there's, there's, there's a, a bit of effort that goes into not just getting exposure for the company, but also just investor relations for 20,000 human beings who want to know how you're doing. Where are the watering holes you, you allude to? Where do you find... 20,000 non-accredited investors. <laughs> yeah. Well, by watering holes, what I mean is, you know, w- websites or newsletters or, uh, you know, places where, where people go, uh, frankly, who are interested in investing. Okay. So there's, there are newsletter and websites about pre IPO companies. 
Um, there's a number of them that are just spawned from just the normal finance websites that exist in the world today. Um, and, and, and having been at it for a number of years, um, we, we generally capture uh, a lot of interest and people submit their emails to us saying, keep me posted. I may not want to invest, but, but, I, but, but, but I want to learn more. So we've developed a really large database of human beings that um, want to keep an eye on us. And as we're doing that, as they're kind of keeping an eye on us, we, are, you know, the company's performing well, we're fortunate. We keep having some pretty monster announcements, some press releases that, that kind of talk about the momentum mm-hmm. and um, that helps a lot. And the nature of these, of these campaigns, Nathan, is like, we're in a series E right now is that we, they don't run in perpetuity. They're open for a predetermined period of time at a set stock price. So mm-hmm. the stock doesn't vary, you know, day to day, it's kind of a set price, a set valuation. We put it out there. And we just announced that we're going to close it on January 23rd. And so there is a finite amount of time where people can buy stock in a company like Miso. And there's no guarantees or, or, or any assurances that we're going to open up a Series F or a G or anything else like that. And so I think people look at it rightfully, like if they want to get in early while we're still early, there's no guarantee there'll be another chance to do so. So that, that helps a lot in kind of getting interested parties to kind of take the plunge. Sure. Um, I'm going to keep you keep on this question a little bit till I get the answers. I want. <laughs> what okay. are, I'm, I'm teasing, but like literally, what are some of the watering holes you're talking about? Like, what are the websites? What are the are you talking about Reddit? Are you talking about, uh, you know, if someone it, maybe ask it a different way, if someone was thinking about doing a crowdfunding campaign, maybe they're in a different space, but they want to kind of borrow a few pages from the playbook. Where would you advise them to try and drum up some interest? Yeah. Uh, Fair, fair caveat warning is that this is not my area of expertise. So I'm not like letting you, I, I hire really good marketing teams that understand very precisely how and where to market expose me. So I'm not involved directly, but, but to, but to try to give you a more precise answer to your question, uh, there are websites like uh, early IPO. Mm. Um, there are, uh, there are a number, you know, and, there's really none other that I can think of off the top of my head that I think I would be noteworthy to mention to you, but we do get uh, a lot of exposure in, uh, in new sites. And, you know, when we have press releases, we've got a, a whole bunch of the normal places you'd imagine that, that we would, we would be found. We were on Axiom, we were on Yahoo finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been covered by, you know, uh, Fox news, uh, so a lot of these news channels themselves will be places that we'll advertise on in addition to just being covered there. Um, when you yeah. get on, on whatever Fox news or, or whatever, are they, are you somehow able to get a link to the crowdfunding portal in there? Or do you just sort of mention it as part of that? I'm try, trying to really just find some tactics that could be adopted by others. Like are you able to get kind of your link plugged? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, so what we have is 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 probably uh, best thought of as um, an, an online a digital marketing team that looks just like an e-commerce marketing team. Okay, mm-hmm. so we've got people that do a bunch of social exposure. We have people a full a press team, of course, and a really good PR agency. But um, there's just a media buyers who are looking at places to buy, and then their dig- and then their email marketing lists there, and the people do that. So it's really a full digital marketing team. Mm-hmm. And these are deep science people. They're not. I mean, they they know they know their trade quite well, and in in, in what they will be doing is find in, in constantly you know creating and, and looking for more content to produce, 
and get exposure with that. We spend a lot of money. Like we, we, we put a lot of money on the table to bring in a lot of money. And so when I say it's like an e-commerce team, it's very much like, you know, there's top of funnel investors, there's conversion rates, mm. there's money you throw at the people in the, in the funnel that actually um, have to return a, a, you know, a specific conversion rate to be profitable. And so if, if any of your listeners have ran any kind of digital campaign where they're, they're marketing in, in a number of different, you know, channels to, to an audience, it's just like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. That's a, probably a good way to think about it too, as a, as a startup trying to raise crowdfunding. Do you know, and maybe I only know a little bit about crowdfunding. Are you able to actually like run a Facebook ad saying invest in me? So, and a link through to the site, like, can you be as explicit on that, on, on marketing and advertising? You, uh, it's, it, you can't be as explicit as saying buy stock now, invest now, but you can actually bring people to your site to learn more. And when they come to your site, there's a big invest button. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they register and say they have, you know, express interest, then you can market to them and say, invest now. Um, but the laws around this are important to know, and I'm not the source of that. So we, you know, we, we, you know the, the clarity on that comes from just getting a good attorney who understands these, these laws and can kind of give you the guidance you need to. Um, yeah. And the laws are new. They're, you know, they're just a, a couple years old in terms of this being able to kind of democratize the, the, you know, in investing for, for the, the rest of the people that are really only venture capitals have been able to do this before. Um, but for your listeners, what I would say is like, you know, find, you know, check out WaveMaker if you're interested in wax, you know, find a team that is, um, can do, you know, a robust digital marketing campaign in, in kind of all channels, get some good advice from a lawyer who knows this stuff. Um, and there's, there's, and there's platforms that help all the time. There's SeedVest is one, there, there are others that, that kind of, you know, take, take your cradle to grave through, through the process. Um, I don't know the success, right? I don't know how many of them that try crowdfunding actually leave having, you know, generated enough money and have it be, you know, really effective. Um, but the, uh, the, the, I will tell you that we're, we're fortunate to be somewhat of an outlier mm-hmm. um, yeah. in kind of what we're doing, but uh, it's still a brave new world out there. And there's just a lot of stuff to be learned. Do you know, maybe this is handled by your teams. You might not know it, but if your average check size of a a crowdfund investor is like 3000 bucks, something like that, what is it costing you to acquire uh, that customer, so to speak? Really kind of putting on that e-commerce, you know, metrics rubric. Yeah, no, it's exactly right. It's, 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 it's the heart of the matter. And it's a super, it's a super thoughtful exercise to go through because if if our minimum investment's a thousand dollars and, um, our average investment is around $3,000. Then you look at it and say, okay, how much money and effort do you want to spend to acquire that? And there's no right answer for that, right? It comes down to a cost of capital equation. And if it's, you can look at it like dilution as well. Like if you go to venture firm and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, my cost of capital to bring in 10 million bucks is I'm going to lose 30% of my company. There's, it's, it's kind of a similar exercise. So um, if you were, if, if you were, really crazy desperate and really needed capital and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend 50 cents to bring in every dollar I can. Okay. That is pretty expensive. You're going to have a lot of effort. Uh, and the, the, but yet it's still, it's still, 
you know, I would say a profitable endeavor. The, the, the other equation to consider in this, in this, in, in, in this consideration is what's the valuation, right? Yeah. Because when you're the thing about crowdfunding, it generally affords a higher valuation to companies. Uh, retail investors are less sensitive to what that number is. And they typically don't, you know, they, they typically don't need to calculate what percentage of ownership does $10,000 get me. You know what I mean? And so um, if you can get the valuation to be, higher than you might get in a normal fundraise through private equity or, or, or venture, then you might be able to say, okay, I can spend 33 cents to bring in every dollar. And I can do that all, all day long and be super happy with that because I'm doing that at a, at a, at a, at a $40 million valuation instead of bringing in 10 million bucks at a $20 million valuation through venture. Um, so that's an, a really important part of the equation. We think of this 50 cents on the dollar or whatever. We, 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 we think of it as ROAS, return on ad spend. And so it's, it's a reverse figure where it's like instead of 30% on 30 cents a dollar, it's the other way where it's like if we can get a three to one or four to one or five to one R, you know, return on ad spend at, at a high valuation, let's keep the foot on the gas and go. That is, that is a really good formula, particularly, you know, valuation. We're, we're valued right now at a half a billion dollars, you know, so it's a really good number. And so we're able to take, uh, a lower ROAS and a, a, a you know and, and and still think it's a good financial decision. Does it does that make sense? It does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it does. It does. That's interesting. And would you say like I was kind of thinking of like in the SaaS world, you know, a three x value. You know, if you're spending three hundred bucks to acquire a customer, but it has a lifetime value of a thousand bucks, like a three x kind of uh, uh, CAC to LTV ratio is yep. very desirable or kind of the yep. standard. Yep. Would you say it's like you said, sort of a three to five X return on ad spend to acquire a crowdfunding? Is that sort of a, a rule of thumb? That's a reasonable thing that people might, you know, march to. <laughs> yeah. You hit yeah. the five real ass. Um, you're high five. And like, that's right home about that. That's a good number. You know? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. So I won't keep you too much longer, but um, you know, kind of running crowdfunding, like a, uh, uh, e-commerce or digital marketing campaign, um, monitoring your cost to acquire investors, having <clears throat> set timelines to help create some forcing function scarcity, I guess you could say. Yep. What other things are sort of keys to success if you were advising me or coaching me on setting up a successful crowdfund? Yeah. L- l- line up your PR strategy to be synced and timed with the whole campaign. Think of it as kind of a drum beat that goes to a big crescendo, you know? So mm-hmm. for us, we have a lot of activity going on in the marketplace and we work with our partners and kind of say, okay, when we announce that we're opening around and we're available for, you know, the stock's now for sale again, it's like, oh, by the way, we just got Chipotle to commit to us, <laughs> you know? So it's, it's kind of like, you know, that goes kind of hand in hand. And then, and then what we'll do is kind of continue the drumbeat with another kind of meaningful announcement every three to four weeks. And at the end, when there's, you know, X days left, we're going to have a pretty big unveiling of like, all right, here's some other monster news that's occurring right now. Having that backdrop is super important. Otherwise you're just ad spend, ad spend, ad spend. Right. And um, like you said, you nailed it, Nathan, it's scarcity. People need to look at it and go, okay, this is, this is an attractive company. I don't know if I should do it or not should. Also, it's like, guess what, you know, the, the opportunity is going to be gone soon. This is the last chance. So, you know, speak now or forever hold your peace. And it, that that's an important element to build into the campaign. Do you have any sense of, 
you know, there's a lot of chatter right now that the 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 party's over for tech startups and venture capital. I mean, the venture guys are getting a little more tight-fisted, slowing deals down, slowing their pace of deals, all that stuff. Um, do you get a sense of any change in the crowdfunding market at this time, kind of a macro on a macro sense? It's softened a little. It is um, with, with what's going on. We were really worried about um, about what's going on in Eastern Europe and whether that would affect. And it's had a, a, a maybe a, a 10 to 15% softening of the market, but not, not crazy. Um, and so I don't know. I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, our very first crowdfund started in March of 2020, right at the at the beginning of the pandemic, and we thought we're doomed. This is never going to work. And the opposite happened. It actually it actually turned out to be um, a, a, th- a thing that blossomed in 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 during the pandemic because people kind of said, "Look, I don't want to invest in the stock market. It's not going that well." Um, and so it, it picked up a lot well, of steam. Plus the stimulus checks probably helped, right? Yeah, yeah. too. <laughs> stimulus checks, no, no, no discretionary spending. There's a whole bunch of things that kind of work together. So, so you know, it's, it's just too new to know kind of what goes on right now. But I, I've, I've been raising venture capital my entire career for many, many more years than you want to know. But um, I've seen it retract and come back and retract and come back, you know, so many times. And it's, they're retracting right now. And that's kind of what goes on. You know, and so it doesn't make it impossible. It just makes it, you know, harder and harder to get a deal done. If, if, if your listeners have the ability to explore crowdfunding, I mean, that is, that is, I think it is a safe vestige at this moment is what I'll tell you. Interesting. All right. Last question. You've, you've been around for a long time. You've done lots of venture raising. Now you're doing lots of crowdfunding raising. Do you, do you like crowdfunding a lot better? I mean, is it a lot more fun, a lot more interesting? Is it easier? Is it just different? Like how, what's your sort of like, you know, contrast and compare? <laughs> yeah, it is so much easier. And two things, one, it's easier um, and board meetings are nicer. Okay. So when you, I've, you know, spent my, my career uh, trying to take, uh, you know, institutional money that's been put into my companies and, and, and deliver well for them and really try to, you know, be that guy, but things are not always smooth, man. If the line to success is jagged, you know? And so you just bend in those board meetings, like, no, oh, we had a couple tough quarters. Here's what we're doing about here's what's going on. And those, they don't have those anymore with crowdfunding. Like that's just not, I have shareholder meetings, you know, and they're friendly and it's just 20,000 people. And that's not saying that everyone's happy, but it's just a different environment to, to run a company in, you know, um, without that, without, without kind of, you know, institutional investors, you know, at, at the table. Um, and it's easier cause I don't have, I'm not, you know, traipsing up and down Sand Hill road, doing my thing. And, you know, that, that, that's necessary. It comes with the, the territory, but boy, that's a lot of work too. You know, I would almost think that's interesting though. Cause I almost think that I've never crowdfunded for, for clarity, have raised venture capital. I'd almost think that having 20,000 people who, granted, they might not have a direct connect uh, 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 telephone line to your ear, but having that many voices and chatter and probably some of them are angry or crazy or whatever, you know, might be almost more stressful than having a small board that you've got to manage. Is that true at all? I, I get I, So, so people reach us, we have kind of investor relations team. So they reach us, there's, you know, the sundry of, you know, emails or requests or this or questions, whatever. Um, but that doesn't land on my plate or my management team's plate. And so we were able to kind of, you know, offload that a little bit, but you bring in 15 million bucks from a private equity firm at your firm. And, you know, you, that does land on your, the work associate that does land on your plate. And so it's outsourceable a little bit with crowdfunding, if you will. Um, and, um, 
you know, and generally in it, when you have, you know, shareholder meetings with thousands of people show up, most of them digitally, um, those are, you know, that's kind of like standing at a stage, you know, you're not really getting heckled or anything. You get questions, but you don't get, um, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't get the, 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 the tenseness that might be in a boardroom, you know, if you deliver a couple of bad quarters. I see. Interesting. All right. Well, let's see if people want to learn more about the company, it's misorobotics.com. Do you want to give the, the URL or any plug for the actual crowdfunding campaign, which is still open and ongoing? Yeah. It's misorobotics.com slash invest. Um, and you can learn anything, everything about us on our website, on the invest site. Um, but appreciate very much the opportunity, Nathan. Thank you for, for the attention today. It's a really cool looking product. I mean, it's neat to watch it in action. So that's, uh, hopefully we'll see it roll out here and Chipotle and we'll be able to watch, uh, watch it live and all that good stuff. So yeah, we're, stuff. Just, we're, we're just warming up. Stay tuned. All right. Very good. All right. Thank you, Mike. Um, misorobotics.com forward slash invest if people want to check it out uh have a great day